The Bible reading this morning comes from the book of Colossians chapter 3. Now in the care link it has something different, but I'm assured it's chapter 3. And as I read it to you, I should tell you that I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so sometimes the words might be different to what you've got. So having all that confusion, let me read Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Since you have been raised in new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honour and power. Let heaven fill you thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth. For you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly thinkings lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust and shameful desires. Don't be greedy for the good things of this life, for there is idolatry. God's terrible anger will come upon those who do such things. You used to do them when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of the anger, the rage, the malice, the behaviour, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old evil nature and its wicked deeds. In its place you have clothed yourself with a brand new nature that is continuously being renewed as you learn more and more about Christ, who created this new within you. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilised, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be holy people whom he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. You must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offended you. Remember the Lord gave you, so you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. For as members of one body you are all called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the words of Christ in all their riches live in your heart and make you wise. Use his words to teach and counsel each other. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, all the while giving thanks through him to God the Father. Good morning. Thanks, Keith, for the reading. Thanks, Joss, for leading us. Uh, looking forward next week to the fun run. I, uh, I don't normally put those two words together. I normally say run, but fun doesn't normally come into that. So I, uh, I have been training. Um, I ran from the car into the church. Um, I ran from my office into here. Um, so I think that probably will just about get us there. On Friday night, uh, there was a few of us men went and did some, some bowls, and uh, that got the calves working a little bit. Um, I think I'm ready. If, you, if anyone finds me <laughs> along the road, just yeah, don't don't just jump over me. Maybe help me up, that sort of thing. That'll be 
It'll be good. It'll be really handy. Um, I'm looking forward uh, after the service to our ministry, what is it, the annual meeting and quarterly ministry conference. I like that idea, conference. We're having a conference this afternoon, um, which is really good. Um, it'll be great to see uh, many of you there. It'll be great to uh, get everyone involved. Um, if you're a member specifically, it'll be great to have you there because it, it's a, a way that as members we can have a say in where things are going with church and with what's going on in the church to hear the things that are going. If you're not um, a member as such, but you're, uh, you come along, you call this uh, place home, you're more than welcome to come along to that as well. Uh, we'd love to see you there. So you just got to get, an, get a bigger idea, a broader idea of, of the going-ons of church, hearing about what's happening in the youth, hearing us happening in the children's, hearing where the finance are at. All these different things that go on, really important for the governance of church, and it brings us the holistic version of our, our, our faith. It's not a separation of, of church and governance. We're all together in, in this. It's all a continuation of our worship because we have to make sure that we do things well within the, the, the kingdom of God. So I'd love to see you all there. Um, if you're not a member and uh, you've been baptised and are thinking, well, why aren't I a member? Come and have a chat. We'd love to have a chat with you. If you want to know a little bit more about what membership is, I'd love to have a chat. It'll be fantastic, um, and we can have a good chat about it. Um, over coffee, hot chocolate, iced coffee, whatever you like. Um, that'd be great. Uh, well, this morning we've, uh, we've been going through the, the book of Colossians, and this morning we get to some real meaty sort of passages, some, some real practical uh, applications of, of the Word of God. And um, there was a Scottish preacher. His name was John McNeil, and he liked to tell a story about an eagle and it had been captured. And this eagle was captured as, as a young eagle. And the farmer who, who got the, the eagle snared it, put a restraint on its ankle so it couldn't fly, it couldn't get away. And, but he, he let it free in the chicken coop to let it sort of roam around in the chicken pen. It wasn't long until the eagle actually started to, to become like the chickens, to act like the chickens, scratching and pecking around as chickens do. The bird that once soared high above the, the, the land seemed satisfied to live the barnyard life with the chickens. One day the farmer was visited by a shepherd who lived in the mountains where the eagles lived and soared. And seeing the eagle, the shepherd was a bit dismayed and said to the farmer, what a shame to keep the bird hobbled here in the barnyard. Why don't you just let it go? And the farmer agreed. So they cut off the restraint, but the eagle continued just to wander around, just pecking and digging in the sand as it did before. The shepherd picked it up and took it to a high stone wall. For the first time in months, the eagle was able to see the grand expanse of blue sky. He saw this glowing sun, and it spread its wings, and with a leap it soared off in this amazing flight that an eagle does, up and up and up. At last, it was acting like an eagle again. In many ways, we are like eagles, designed for, for, by God for greatness in Christ. We've been designed to soar as such, yet the truth is that often we're found scratching around in the dirt like every other person might be. I wonder, as we've talked about in the last few weeks, how our foundation in Christ, being rooted and built up in him, I wonder if it makes any difference in the world that we live in, in the world that is around us. I wonder if we become like that eagle who just lives in the chicken pen doing the things that chickens are doing. 
rather than what we've really been designed for. So this morning leads us to ask that question. How has your relationship with Christ impacted your conduct in this world? How has your relationship with Christ impacted your conduct? Because if we read Paul's words carefully, we can only be led that a changed reality, a new life in Christ, leads to a changed conduct. As we read uh, from, as uh, as Keith read from the text of Colossians 3, we start to get the distinct idea that the the Christian life is countercultural. It's countercultural. And so this morning I want to break down those verses and help us to understand what is it that we need to be thinking about. So as we go through, we'll see in verses 1 to 4, we'll see that Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4, gives us an exhortation that in Christ we're now engaged in this new reality. Verses 5 to 11 encourage us to, to change our conduct based upon this new reality. And then in verses 12 to 16, encourage us to, to live into a new life in contrast to the old one. Then we get to verse 17. And verse 17, is, it's a pivotal verse. Because if we do not have verse 17, we may become eagles. We might get out of the chicken coop, but we'll, we'll never be grounded again. We're only ever soaring, looking over the fields, looking at the next harvest, yet never moving down to actually enter the space where the eagle can get its food again. You see, verse 17 exhorts us to get into the world, to engage in the world around us, whilst and whilst there, not becoming a chicken again, (laughs) but to remember why we were made in the first place. Let's pray and dig deeper into those things. Loving God, I pray that this morning, that as we hear your word and read your word and expound on your word, may you be glorified, may we have understanding and may our reality be changed once and once again, afresh to live for you. Amen. So in verse 1 to 4, Paul sets out um, that we have been raised in Christ in verse 1. If we, if we skip back into chapter uh, 2, verse 20, it says, Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rule? Since you died with Christ... In verse 1, we're saying, since you've been raised with Christ. We've got, we've got two parallel statements here. We, we died with Christ, but then we're raised with Christ. It signifies this present reality in the life of a believer. Dying with Christ symbolizes that death to old self. And being raised brings this imagery of a, a new life. In this, we're brought to the resurrection as, a, as symbolically shown through baptism. With baptism, we're brought into the waters of baptism as our old self. We go under the water. We're buried with Christ. And we raise up again into a new status, new in Christ. The old old is no longer the reality, yet in Christ we find a new reality. And Paul emphasizes this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. And the new is here. We are a new creation. And a creation that is new seeks a new way. So verse 2 tells us what to do with that. It says, set your minds on things that are above, not that are things that are on earth. 
Set your mind on things above. Some, uh, some of us here went to a, a prayer breakfast. It was the Outer Eden Eastern Prayer Breakfast on Friday morning. Um, it was good, decent food, and the speaker was excellent. He was from the Center for Public Christianity. And he was telling us some interesting facts. But the one that got me was he said something like this. He said that two-thirds of Australians will have no contact with any other Christian. Two-thirds of Australians won't have any contact with any other Christian. I thought, wow, that's a, that seems very high. And, and I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about it, and I thought, when I was a young guy, I, I, I was blessed to have two of my best mates, even though I didn't become friends with them because I was a Christian, I had two of my best mates who were Christians. And we used to hang out all the time, play basketball, play cricket, all that sort of stuff. My year nine teacher was a, a Christian, and it turned out that he um, had been a Christian for a long time and had sort of been praying for his students, even in a, a public school. So I thought about that stat, two-thirds people don't have a friend or don't have contact with any other Christians. That's an interesting fact. And I thought, I couldn't help but wonder if that has to do with the fact that there are plenty of Christian people that perhaps live in no other reality than, than that of the people that they work with. Or that the people interact in the same way as you would any other person on the sports field. I had to wonder if the stats were somewhat skewed by people of faith, Christians, who were created new as an eagle, yet are still pecking around in the dirt as chickens. See, the new reality in Christ is that it's a life that is different than those in your surroundings. But what does that new reality look like? Well, it looks like a life categorised by setting our hearts and our minds on things above. That's what verse 1 and 2 tells us. It means that when we're faced with moral and ethical decisions within a workplace, those decisions based solely upon, say, a profit margin or a, 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 what makes me look good, or do we start to put those through the lens of God, through a, a filter of God? Hey, God, what's your take on that? Hey, God, I'm uneasy with this. How am I going to make a stand in this space for you? Perhaps, when it means, uh, perhaps it means when anger starts to rise before a word is uttered, we look up rather than spit out. There was a young man who once found a $5 note on the street and resolved from that time on that he would never lift his eyes up. He would just walk around looking for more money. And as he looked around looking for more money, he just kept his eyes down the whole time. He found plenty of things on the ground. He found buttons. He found a few bits of money. He found pins. He found many things. But in it, he got a bent back. <laughs> but he also got a miserly disposition. He didn't just get that, though. He lost something else. He lost his glory of seeing sunlight. He lost seeing the radiance of the stars. He lost seeing the smiles of the people that he walked past or the people or the friends that he had. And he lost the freshness of the outside world. While we may not walk around just looking at the sidewalk, I wonder if we get so engrossed in the things of this life that we give little attention to spiritual and eternal values. Perhaps instead we chase fleeting experiences that make us feel good, yet no won't last. Paul calls us children who are seated with Christ in the heavenlies, yet we give our affection and our attention to the world 
when we lose our upward look. Our perspective becomes distorted and we miss out on the perspective that God actually invites us to see. So we we are in a new reality and Paul encourages us to change our conduct because we're in this new reality. Don't keep your head down. Look up. Verse 5 to 11 gives us a list then that which won't be part of this new reality. He gives us these, these points and it's, uh, they're saying that's, this isn't going to be part of this new reality. He makes it pretty clear in verse 5 how he feels about it. He doesn't use, please don't do this. He says, put to death. Put to death. It's pretty final, isn't it? Put to death. Make it no longer living. He didn't say, just be cautious about these or... Only do these once or twice a month and you'll be okay. He said, put to death. No longer there. What do we put to death? It says, whatever in you is earthly. The NIV says, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Other versions might say, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. Whatever is part of the earthly nature. What's that saying? Well, if we go back to the original language, the the Greek, we have the word melos, which means a member of the human body. It's a body part. And I tend to think he points to the human body because the list that he rolls out first have their evolution through the human body or the mind. And he says, kill anything in the human body that has to do with these things. He's not saying chop off an arm, chop off, kill, get rid of it, get it out of your body, get out of your mind. The first thing was fornication in, uh, in the NIV. The Greek word helps us to give an understanding here. Um, it's pornea, and you know where that comes from. We get our word for pornography from pornea. The NIV, NIV translates it, uh, instead of fornication, it translates it as sexual immorality. It's a bodily thing, isn't it? It's totally against the original intention of the body's use. And God made sex, yes, definitely. But God made it for the enjoyment of the married relationship. He goes on, impurity or or uncleanliness, as some um, scriptures might say. It can be interpreted as both physical and moral uncleanliness. You know, I see, uh, see people, as you walk through the streets, you see people wearing some interesting T-shirts. You might have some interesting T-shirts at home. But, but <laughs> I look at some people wearing interesting T-shirts, and I think, why are you even wearing that? Why would you want to be seen as that? I, I can pretty much get a, a fair grasp of what you like just by the T-shirt you're wearing. Um, I just, it just makes me wonder. And when I think impurity or or uncleanliness. I don't think of someone that's just physically dirty. I think someone that's, that's wearing a T-shirt that tells me exactly what you're thinking. But what about our thoughts? How unclean can our thought processes be? How do we respond to the jokes that are told that, you know, we shouldn't laugh at, but maybe we get involved with? Paul says, no, don't, don't look down, look up. He says, soar, don't, don't peck. Don't get involved with it. Put it to death. Passion and evil desire, um, as he goes through the list. And, and they may be linked. Passion in itself is not a negative thing. When someone's passionate about something that's positive, passionate about a social justice issue, passionate about, um, about seeing something good in this world happen, that's a good thing. But when it's linked to evil desire... 
we find a different meaning. And once again, it comes from the mind that can be carried out through the body. And finally, he says, greed, which is idolatry. And that's a covetous nature that longs for something that someone else has. And that, once it's acted out, is not great. Having feelings of longing or want that is in itself, I, I long to have many things. I do. But when it gets to the stage of obsession, well, Paul gives us warning about that. He says, that's no good. Don't act on that. That's not good at all. Put it to death. Make it dead in your life. And you say, that's good, Pete. But I don't see much of that happening around me. I don't see my work colleagues wearing inappropriate T-shirts. They're good guys. And I can understand that. Because if I look at that list of things, I could say that in my time as a land surveyor, I didn't see any of that in my work colleagues at all. There were not too many times that I looked back I was able to pick someone up on uh, impurity or, or evil desires. No one was sort of going around. Um, there was a few jokes that I just didn't involve with, but, but I didn't see it all the time. But if I think seriously about my own life, there's times where I have to admit to these things. You see, these are the hidden things, the hidden things that can be suppressed. You might not see it out there. But the stats for how many people, this is in 2016, who engage in pornographic substances on the internet, they're staggering. In 2016, a US study showed that 8 out of 10 males between the age of 18 and 30 admitted to viewing pornography at least monthly. It's staggering. I didn't know that when I was a land surveyor. I didn't see that in my friends, but of the 10 guys in the office, I wouldn't have been able to pick which eight of them. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hidden sin. So it's something that is between you and God. So put it to death. Put it to death. If it's in your life, put it to death. If it's captured you, put it to, to death. How do I do that? You're sitting there thinking, how do I do that? I've tried. I've tried to do that. Talk to someone. That's a starting point. If it's hidden, it's hidden. If you talk to someone, it's no longer hidden. Put it to death. Don't let that hidden sin capture you. Paul moves on through a second list of do's and don'ts, and they're much more public, they're much more visible, they're much more out there. And Paul tells us to get rid of things like anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language and lying. Anyone that's not been guilty of any of them? These are all things that, that we do that actually have an impact, not just on ourselves, but on the people around us. These things might have been part of the old life that you once had. Perhaps they creep into our lives that we have today as well, as we keep our head down, pecking in the dirt. Perhaps they've crept into culture and culture's made it the norm. And it's been okay in a cultural sense to do some of these things. But Paul says, get rid of them. They don't need to be part of your life. Don't let them keep creeping into your relationships you have. Paul says, don't, don't do it. Just get rid of them. He uses the idea of clothing to reiterate this idea. It's like you're wearing these old clothes. And, and he says, they've got to go. You don't need them anymore. It's making you not, not, not the, the right way. 
No longer wear the inappropriate T-shirt, if I can have the next slide, like this guy. I don't know if you see this guy. I do dumb things. That was apparently his uh, mug shop. So. <laughs> but rather, now wear the renewed set of clothing, which verse 10 tells us is in the image of the creator, perhaps something like that. I was going to get a whole lot of T-shirts printed up, but the budget just wouldn't stretch. <laughs> Paul reiterates this to tell us that we need new clothing. This renewal in Christ is, is for all. It means that we're all wearing the same T-shirt. We're all wearing the same T-shirt. Whether Jew or Greek, it doesn't matter. We're all wearing the same T-shirt. So we all need to live in a way that is honouring of Christ. Heads up. Saul. So we have this list of, do, uh, of don'ts in our new reality in Christ. The hidden and the less hidden. But now in verse 12 to 16, Paul sets us up for a contrast. What should we be like? What should we do? So if you're going to give up these things and you're going to have to put on something else, you're going to have to put on the new T-shirt, what are you going to do? Take off the old clothing, but don't stay naked. Put on the new thing as well. So in verse 12, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, you know, as, people, as the people of God, God's shown us undeserved favour. He's given us undeserved favour. That's why we go on and live in this new reality. But he says, with that undeserved favour, we are now to clothe ourselves. And it says the first one is compassion. To have a heart of compassion. The NIV only shows the word compassion. Um, I think there was a different word in, in the uh, New Living Translation. But the translation has the word heart in there as well. The Greek word um, actually for heart that comes out in the translation is actually bowels. Quite often we, when we say heart in the uh, uh, New Testament, it would be the centre of you. But this one is actually talking about the bowels, the depths. And when it talks about the, the bowels, it, it talks about the, 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 the depth of emotion that comes through. So when we hear compassion and a heart compassion, it's that, that deep compassion that just doesn't go, oh, I'm really sorry about that. But it's that makes us moved to do something more. It makes us move to do something extra, a deeper emotional connection. And Paul's really drawing that home. Have deep emotional connections with one another, with those around you, that you are moved to do something for someone. He goes on and says kindness. Now, kindness is actually an outpouring of a compassionate heart, isn't it? It's, it's, the, it's the overflow of a compassionate heart. I'm not sure how you can actually show kindness without having compassion for someone. I wonder if our interactions with others are clothed with kindness. There's humility or meekness. In our society, it's a virtue that is less and less seen, yet it's vital to the faithful believer. Humility is not being about being walked over. Rather, it's about following the lead of Jesus Christ, who, who took the very nature of a servant. He took the towel and the basin and washed the feet of the disciples. He took time to heal the untouchable. And Paul tells us, be like that. Clothe yourself in humility. Gentleness and patience. I hear of many people, many Christian people, who struggle with patience. And it's not easy, especially when you have your kids 
doing the same thing again and again and again. And after the tenth time asking it, gentleness and patience can actually become a stretch. <laughs> it's tough. But we're called to put on these virtues. doesn't mean we're going to be perfect because we're imperfect people. But we're called to put on these virtues. And it says, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. We're not all going to get it right all the time. We're not going to get it right towards one another, let alone towards people outside of the walls of the church. But if we can practice gentleness and patience more and more, we're going to see people go, what's the difference there? What, what is it about you? He goes on to say, but all of these things are for nothing unless we clothe ourselves with love. Unless we clothe ourselves with love. Verse 14. Put on love because it binds everything together. Any complaints, any quarrels, love needs to be the starting point. Any frustrations, love needs to be the starting point. Any times where, where I might be totally angry or, or, or just not wanting to speak to someone, love has to be the starting point. Put on love because it binds everything together. So we've got this list of virtues. Virtues to steer from and virtues to work towards. But Paul grounds it all in one person, Christ. That's what the, the whole of Colossians has been so far. And he brings it back in verse 15 again. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know what? We can strive to do these things for ourselves. We can try and be a little more patient. We can try and get rid of the, the, the mucky things by ourselves. But Paul says, you don't need to strive like that. First and foremost, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Allow Christ to transform you, to change you. That's how we become eagles. We allow the rule of Christ in our life and allow it to transform us into this new reality. And from that, our, our conduct changes. We can soar once again. So be the eagles you're made to be. Soar above the chickens and see the greater picture. But that's not all. We've still got one more verse to go in our text in verse 17. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I remember reading that while I was a land surveyor and hating my job because it was a hard environment to work in. We were going on to building sites. We were going off with um, some guys from the office. It was just a tough gig, and I didn't really like it at that stage. And I remember reading that one morning before walking into the office, and I said, Lord, I'm going to treat you as my boss. Lord, I'm going to look today to you rather than looking at the people around me. The verse grounded me. It grounded me to say, I need to be a person who is different, an eagle in amongst chickens. And we've been thinking about that analogy. Not that eagles are bigger and... I think eagles can sometimes eat chickens, can't they? They can come and pick them up. <laughs> That's not the analogy. <laughs> we don't want that sort of thing. <laughs> we're, not, we're not in that. 
<laughs> but we've been thinking about these eagles and the chickens who saw we're not stuck on the ground with the chickens, yet the mission of God has sent us out into the world to be in the world, to engage with the world, and to discern the movement of God within the spheres that we have been sent into. The people that we have influence over. So to be an eagle doesn't mean we stay in the air. At some stage, we've got to come back down. We've got to get food. We've got to get grounded. We don't want to be Christian people who show the virtues of compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, yet just fly around the air with other people who are doing the same thing. The eagle must come down into the world of the chicken again, not to eat it, but to be with it. Because in everything, in word or deed, do it as if you were serving the Lord himself. I wonder what clothes you're putting on at the moment in your workplace. What clothes are you putting on when you cheer your favourite football team or sports team? What clothes are you putting on when you approach a situation of conflict? What clothes are you putting on when something doesn't go your way? It says in all situations, the reality of this new life that we have as followers of Jesus Christ, may we live a life worthy of him, a life where our conduct is transformed and that, the chick- and that the chickens that are around us are transformed into eagles as well. You know, as I thought, was thinking about this chicken and eagle analogy, the story continued and, um, and, and, around, around, and we're talking a lot about the eagle, not so much about the chicken. However, I couldn't help wonder if the chickens pecking around on the ground If one day a chicken looks up and sees an eagle, I wonder what they think. I reckon a chicken would go, I want to be like that. I want to be like that eagle. I want to soar above. It flaps its little wings and doesn't get anywhere at all. Like chicken run. Not able to get out of the chicken pen. But I want to be like that eagle. Who wouldn't want to be like the eagle? I want to see you like the eagle sees. You know what that means? If we are eagles, we've got to help the chickens see what it is like to be an eagle. If we are the people of God living out the virtues that Paul set forth for us today, then the chickens that are around us should see something they want as well. We've got to feed that longing, help them see a changed reality and encourage those who don't know Jesus to meet their creator as well. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you still feel a little bit like a chicken. Um, not, not a chicken as the world sees a chicken, but a chicken that doesn't know Jesus. And you might think, I want to know what it's like to be an eagle. And this morning I encourage you to talk to someone that you know soars in the way that God's created them. Ask about it. Come and chat to me about it. Chat to someone you trust about it, that you may meet your creator God as well and live in that transformed reality. Let me pray. Loving God, we thank you so much for your word that gives us life, your word that brings hope, and your word that encourages us to soar. But loving God, we know that you still have a mission for us here on earth. And loving God, I pray for each and every person here 
that as we go into our workplaces, into our friendship groups, into our neighbourhoods, into the very street that we live in, may we be people of faith who live out a new reality, a different reality, that people see that and say, what is it about them that I need to see? Pray your blessing over each person in Jesus' name. Amen.